Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Mortgage Show podcast, the lockdown edition. My name is Monty, and we are back in our virtual podcast studio to keep you updated and speak to some of the movers and shakers in the industry. We want to find out about what makes them tick, as well as look at the latest goings on in our fine industry, especially during this particularly interesting and difficult time. I'm delighted to be joined today by another two very well-known characters of the mortgage world. First off, we have the colourful, effervescent Director of Mortgage Distribution at Metro Bank, Charlie Morley. Charlie used to be Head of Sales at Kensington Mortgages, is a great presenter for those of you who've seen him, and is a long-suffering Leeds United fan. Or in his words, he likes to be known as a deity of mortgages. Welcome, Charlie. Thanks for that, Monty. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's delightful to have you on um, with us today. And um, and Charlie isn't alone. With him on the other side of the proverbial sofa is another legend of the industry and a fabulous female role model, the very lovely Managing Director of Mortgages at Vida Home Loans, Louisa Sedgwick. Um, Louisa was previously Leeds Building Society's Head of Intermediary Distribution, is also a great presenter, actually. I've seen you many times. Very good. And is the first female chairman of IMLA, the Intermediary Mortgage Lenders Association. So welcome, Louisa, or in your own words, supermodel Sedgwick. <laughs> in, my, in my own dreams, not in my own words. That's where I love to be. You see, I did ask people how they want to be introduced and they both quipped back these things. So I said, you do know I'm going to use it. And there you go. Um, so, well, let's get on with it then, really. Um, so how have you both been coping with the lockdown? And um, I asked uh, my guest last time this, and I thought it's quite interesting. What have, you, what have you learned about yourselves from it, Louisa? Um, I suppose in the first instance, I've, I've learned that I can run quite fast, which is quite <laughs> nice, because um, without having to travel to London um, every other day or stains every other day, it means that I've got a little bit more time at home. Um, and so it's enabled me to get out and get fit. So so that was good. So that's that's a nice part of it. Yeah. I think from um, a work perspective, what have I what have I learned? We kind of um, obviously this came came across us very quickly and didn't really have time to prepare for it particularly. So you go from being being in a situation whereby you're traveling the country and meeting lots of great people and um, to the point where you sat in your spare bedroom and not meeting anybody. So I think I've probably um, learned that I'm far more resilient than I thought I was. Um, but I've also learned that um, I don't actually need to go to London two or three times a week and I don't need yeah. to go to Staines on a regular basis. And actually I can be far more creative, more effective than I gave myself credit for. So I think that um, I've morphed into the new virtual Louisa um, much easier than I thought I would. No, very interesting. Charlie, what about you? How are you finding things? Um, I think I think the key thing that I've missed is kind of um, human interaction, <laughs> which I think probably most of us have, really. I think um, from my perspective, I've, I've not seen my daughter for four months apart from um, over sort of video, and that has been incredibly tough. Yeah. Um, I think sort of as Louisa said there, I think the key thing that, you, that I've learned from a work perspective is that you can work virtually. Um, I don't need to be in London five days a week. Um, you're able to, to, to run a business uh, much more remotely. I do think the bit you do miss is the interaction with colleagues. I, I yeah. do think often you will make 
decisions, you'll make strategy planning when you bump into people uh, and have conversations with a, within an office environment. Um, but the other thing I've discovered, I've always been a, an exercise fanatic, but for the very, very first time, I've actually discovered why people enjoy walking. And I've never really been a great walker. <laughs> I've been a runner and a cyclist, and I've gone actually not I now do enjoy a good walk. You know, so, you know, so which is which is quite strange. It's normally let's go on a ten mile run or a thirty mile bike ride. Yeah. It's, hey, no, let's go out for a nice little walk. So, so you're just enjoying nature a bit more. Uh, yes, yeah. I suppose there it is. Go. Sort of, you know, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, this has been an extraordinary time, and obviously. You guys are both have very different stories around how your respective companies have fared during this time. Um, Charlie, how have Metro coped being a challenger bank um, I, around I, all of this? I think, uh, I think from our point of view, we've we, we've been quite uh, fortuitous. I think for a, a couple of reasons, really. I think, I mean, the first thing is like everybody, we moved everybody remotely as soon as we possibly could. So we had uh, working from home put in place very, very quickly. You know, from the broker help desk to the BDM team, right the way across the mortgage function. Um, back in um, September of last year, we were quite lucky that um, we put in place a uh, digital valuation solution. So what it actually meant was when lockdown happened uh, and uh, physical surveys weren't taking place, we were able to carry on lending. So we stayed out there at 80% loan-to-value resi. We stayed out there at 75% on buy-to-let. So to us, we've managed to maintain as much as possible a a BAU functionality. Uh, But it has been incredibly challenging, uh, massively challenging um, as a business. And I think we've all adapted to the situation. Um, And what I've been amazed by is not only the way colleagues have just stepped up to the plate, no issue has been too small, but also the resilience of an industry. And I yeah. think how an industry is completely and utterly pulled together and mm-hmm. wants to everybody to get through this, not only safely with our sanity intact, but ultimately <laughs> with our industry intact as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and I, I know Louisa at present, Vida, are, well, Vida aren't lending at the moment. Um, so what, why is this and when do you see yourselves coming bang, back? So, I mean, I suppose it, it's worth giving some background around um, non-bank models lenders and how they're funded so they're funded through the securitization markets and mm. the, the middle to the back end of march they effectively closed so there were no deals going to market and as such um as you work through that you find lenders warehouses become full um and the only we the only way that you can um effectively empty the the warehouse is to go to to a securitization we had a warehouse line that was full and we were ready to go to securitization in april so that left us with absolutely no liquidity or liquidity, sufficient liquidity um, to support what we had that had gone past um, offer stage um, and post valuation. So we found ourselves in a situation where to try and protect that um, that customer group um, and enable them to go through and complete um, some of which would have exchanged contracts, etc. So we had to uh, we had to close shop. Um, to enable it to just protect liquidity and also to protect the business. Um, So the bottom line is, is until the securitization market um, comes back um, in the absence of any other funding line, um, then we won't be in a position to lend. Um, The good news 
I suppose, on that, that um, as of last week, there was a securitization that went to market last week. Okay. Um, which which had, it, it got a decent deal away, mm. but it was a, it was the old Axis Bank um, book. So naturally, um, that probably had a different price um, point to it than maybe yeah. you would expect to see from some of the other lenders. Um, and I believe that there's another one that will be going to market this week. So if that one gets away and it gets away at a reasonable price, then it opens up um, the doors for mm. lots of other lenders who also need to securitize the longer that market stays closed then effectively um it has different effects on different non-bank yeah. lenders but of course as they fill their warehouse lines if they've nowhere to to move it to um then ultimately they'll the all end yeah. up not being able to take that's it all really business. interesting so a lot of people don't don't really understand that and and um <laughs> on that do you, do you feel that the government and the fca understand all that are they are they doing enough to help lenders such as well both of you really and and what should they be doing um certainly where the non-bank lenders are concerned so it's it's interesting because obviously with if i put my imla hat on um i've spent a lot of time certainly the last two and a bit months um lobbying hm treasury and the bank of england to try and get some support for non-bank mortgage lenders um uk finance have also done an awful lot of lobbying um they the proposition that they put forward to the bank and to HM Treasury was to support all non-bank lenders. Yeah. Um, and of course, what's happened um, since that time is that HM Treasury and the bank are supporting um, non-bank lenders to enable SMEs to continue to, to trade, um, which effectively closes the door for the non-bank mortgage lenders. So mm. there isn't there isn't any support um, from government or from the bank. If I look at the regulator, I think the regulator has been very supportive in trying to lobby through to the bank and to yeah, HM Treasury. But good. the bottom line is, yeah, they're only as effective as they can be. I mean, the other the other side to this, and Charlie will probably um, attest to this as well, is the payment holiday piece, um, now called payment deferment, which is what it should have been called in <laughs> yeah, the first absolutely. place, rather than go and take three months off and, and um, do as you please. But you know, all of the non-bank mortgage lenders have supported that uh, payment holiday process. Some to the effect of 30% of their book um, is now sat on payment holiday. Mm. So if they're not uh, generating income, um, and that is effectively what it is, 30% of your book is not paying its mortgage, so you're not generating income, mm. um, then that undoubtedly will have an effect um, on on your profitability as well. But that's, you know, that's not just for the non-bank lenders. We all have, the whole of the lending community has been affected by that. And for the right reason. Um, but I think that perhaps um, we should have been consulted with um, a little better before making yeah, that. Rather um, than the bombshell that, drop. That, that, yeah, that quick <laughs> decision. Um, yeah, literally, um, can you please let all these people not pay their mortgages? And we may have been better placed to, to support them, maybe in a different way. The customers may yeah. not necessarily have needed a payment holiday. And I think that's a good point. The, the expression used there, payment deferment, I think that's probably more apt to what it is because I, I do think there was there was an assumption by some of the phone calls that we got that it was a payment holiday. And I think when you explained what it actually was, there were um, obviously individuals that then decided, no, that's not for me and I don't need it. I think it was probably how it was put across in the press that it was, yeah, three months off your mortgage. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we had loads of calls on it about using that for... Um, in, various things um i think someone wanted to um invest in the stock market on the on the savings he'd make on those three months holiday so it's uh, it's definitely a need to have not a nice to have and that's that's a message we're trying to put, put across yeah, com com completely agree completely agree 
Yeah, I think they're changing in the messaging now, as um, Charlie said, is that, you know, to deferment, um, I think is is very clear that, that it is a deferment and it's not just to take three months off and never have to pay it back, which is, um, yeah, I think that's no, absolutely. a from the very so. And Charlie, the, um, obviously there's, well, we're in a whole new world now in terms of um, underwriting and how to make decisions and uh, high loan to value lending is is struggling at the moment. Uh, and generally criteria changes for things like that we've never heard of before, furlough changes and and stuff like that. Uh, Metro have always been pretty good in their their criteria and doing things a little bit different. How do you think the lenders are generally dealing with these areas around, for example, self-employed bonuses, furloughs? Do you think they're getting it right or do you think, because we feel it's it's quite hard at the moment to get cases through. Yeah, I'd imagine for a broker it is quite hard. I think it's it's no different from a lender. You are looking, you're having to look at criteria on a daily basis, a weekly basis, purely and simply because there are different things out there that you now have to take into consideration. Uh, you've got to take into consideration, um, you know, customer circumstances, the industries they're working in. Mm. Uh, you know, uh, is it an industry that's going to return, etc. And I think, um, you know, from a responsible lending point of view, you'll find that lenders on the whole are probably asking for more information than they were pre-COVID um, just to ensure that they are making the right decision. I think you're right. We've we've taken a stance, we did very early on in, in the furlough scenario where we would we would accept furlough as it was. You know, your, your income has been substituted, you should have a role to go back to, so therefore we would accept it. Uh, but I think like everybody, you look at, you look at the industries people are in and you, you need to make the right decision fundamentally yeah. for the customer. Yeah. Um, and it's, 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 the same with, it's the same with payment holidays. I mean, if someone's gone on a payment holiday or a payment deferment, whatever you want to call it, um, I do think you need to look at their ability then to make those mortgage repayments. So we've kind of taken the decision that if, if someone wants to remortgage and raise more money, well, we would like to see you know three months consecutive mortgage payments because often they've elected to go on a payment deferment because they couldn't afford it. Mm. So therefore, you do need to assess the situation of the customer. So uh, I think COVID has has changed the way I think um, we kind of look at, you'll look at a customer moving forward. What I do think it strengthens the hand of a broker because I think what will happen is, um, you know, the the specialist market, which part of, which obviously uh, Louisa is part of, I do think mm. will grow post COVID for obvious reasons, and I do think uh, potentially uh, a number of mortgage applications are going to get more complicated. So therefore, yes. I do think it strengthens a broker's hand. So I think the opportunity moving forward um, could increase for an intermediary. Um, and I think you know the intermediary market pre COVID was about seventy seventy five percent. I wouldn't mm. be at all surprised if you start to see those percentage points creep up during really? That's uh, really 2021. Yeah. yeah, and I think the intermediary could you know, strengthen their hand. I think the one thing I would say on that, and um, from an intermediary perspective, I think as we go through the year, I think the impact of COVID will be truly felt um, post the government support, so post payment holidays and post um, furlough. And I think that's what we need to be preparing for. I, I read a lot of articles on LinkedIn or in the press that everyone says, look, we've had a bounce back. Isn't this great? And what a resilient market we've got. But I, my word of caution would be, I, I don't really think we're going to see the impact and potentially until Q1 next year. Um, and I think from a broker perspective, I would certainly focus on customer base, you know, as in your existing customer base, what can you remortgage um, to better rates? What can you do from a rate switching point of view? And yeah. I do think from a broker perspective over the next 12 months, 
you're pushing on an open door on protection. Um, so therefore, I would kind of go, you know, look at your business plan for the next 12 months. We are going to hit a significant bump in the road in the coming months. Make sure you prepare your business for that. So you're looking forward to what are you going to do from a business perspective over the 12-month yeah. period. Um, the bounce back, uh, you know, everyone's very upbeat about it, which is great, but we haven't really hit in my opinion, the, the you know the huge bump in the road that's coming around yeah, the corner. I think uh, October will be a, a key. Well, even before that, actually, when when if you think there's seven to nine million people furloughed, how many of them are going to get their jobs back? Twenty percent, fifty percent, seventy percent? You just don't know. And and what effect? It's really interesting you mentioned about the the brokers increasing share because one of the one of the thoughts a lot of the industry had is actually this is going to be one of the years that actually the lenders try and fight back a bit and and get that 75% share back down it's it's so- an interesting it's, it's an interesting comment that one but i do think um, i do think a lot of cases a lot of applications are going to become more complicated you know, where, where does a broker come to the fore? A broker comes well, to the fore because yeah. they know the wider market. Um, you know, they know, you know, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 lenders. They go onto sourcing systems. They're able to search the entire marketplace. So therefore, the nuances of criteria, whether you be a high net worth individual or whether you be somebody with, um, you know, specialist criteria attached to you, I think, you know, that's where brokers come to the fore. And mm. I do think, you know, there will be an opportunity moving forward. Um, yeah. Uh, for for the intermediary and potentially you know growth for them and I do think I do think that will happen. Yeah. yeah. So, a bit more opportunities for you when when you do come back as a specialist lender, which we definitely need. <laughs> we certainly will. Going back to the point that uh, Charlie made as well, though, is that I think that um, if you look at the large lending um, or large lenders, uh, they're going to have resource issues because, of course, they're going to have to be dealing with all of the payment holiday requests and also when they come to an end, Mm. what happens then? And if we do have a situation whereby people are losing their jobs and they're going to need forbearance on their existing mortgages, these people don't exist at the moment because we haven't had an arrears issue. And so what you'll have to find or what what you'll see is you'll see some resource shifting within these larger lenders um, in particular. And I think it'll shift away from um, from the, the front end. Um, and I think that that plays really well into the broker's hands in that there won't be the same number of advisors, I don't believe, um, within the retail banks in mm. particular, to support the customers. Yeah. Um, so there's the, the complex needs of the customers, which will inevitably grow, but also I don't think we're going to have um, the resource available to support the customers in the first place. So I think that, you know, that that has to play into the mm. broker's hand. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Charlie, I've seen you do a, a good uh, good tech presentation, actually, you did, you did to us not long ago. Um, how do you see the, the post-COVID world changing how we all do things? Is it... I, I, yeah, I, th- I think, I, you know, I've always been a, a big advocate of, of tech, which is quite surprising and, uh, uh, when you <laughs> take how long it took me to get on this call. <laughs> See, and do you know what? I'm, I was, uh, and, yeah, you, you were actually <laughs> slightly worse than Adrian. Yeah, I know. No, you know, yeah. to be worse than Adrian Maloney <laughs> at tech is, is something not to be proud of. You know, Mr. ZX Spectra himself. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so, yeah, I, I think, I think Monty and Louise are laughing on the basis of the fact that it took me so long to get on this call. Um, anyway, I, I do think from a tech perspective, I've always been an advocate that 
the right tech will make a significant difference to this industry. And I've always said to the intermediary market in particular, don't fear it, embrace it, because it's never going to be complicated um, tech that is going to um, come on board and be taken. I mean, I think an analogy I use are Apple and Amazon, the best tech in, uh, the best tech in market. I don't know, but they're the simplest to use, so we all use them. And so, therefore, to me, that is what is critical. It's, it's usability. And I think it's also, are there quick wins that you can do and lenders can do that and brokers can do? Because um, from my perspective, um, you know, we put digital valuations in last year because it yeah. was something that was quick and easy to do. Um, and so, therefore, you can make these changes that don't have to be vast platform changes. They can be quick wins that can make a significant difference to your turnaround times, significant difference to the broker, and significant difference to the customer. So, I think the market will change. And I think the other thing is the way we communicate to each other. Um, I think, from a communication perspective, um, I think, you know, this is a classic example where we're communicating in a completely different way. We'd normally be sitting in a studio next to each other. We'd probably mm. go for a beer afterwards, or two beers afterwards, or even three <laughs> beers afterwards. No, um, you got the wrong man, not me, <laughs> not Louisa. But, we don't but drink. I, but I do think, I do think this is kind of the the shape of things to come, and it's shown that we can communicate, we can interact, yeah. uh, and we can run businesses remotely. Yeah. So I think technology is going to play uh, a more important part. But I do think the uh, face-to-face interaction is something that um, we've got to remember is critically important to moving businesses forward. And I do think when that does come back, we're, we're going to you know, embrace it with open arms. But yeah. from a technology perspective, yes, I still think it will continue to evolve over the next sort of two or three years, and we'll be in a completely different space um you know come sort of 2023 mm. 2024 but it would just mean that you know i think applications will turn around more quickly and hopefully we fix the issue where a, a case is offered and the conveyancing piece can speed up as well so the <laughs> whole end-to-end process yeah. is improved here not just one element of the mortgage yeah, of, of getting it to yeah. offer yeah certainly hope so um louisa imla talk yes. to talk Talk to us about Imla. What uh, what have you guys been busy doing, and what what do you you see as the main challenges to the market from from your point of view? Because it's quite interesting for people who don't really know what what Imla is or does. Yeah, so I think I mean there's a few things that, that we've been concentrating on. Um, one will be close to your heart, and I think um, we're get we're getting some work with it, which is good. Um, is the changes within the help to buy scheme, and whether or not we can get some extension to those. Mm. So. Um, we've had numerous meetings um, with Homes England and um, we've put across um, all of the thoughts from the lenders that sit within uh, our uh, membership. So there's 43 members um, that sit in with them and most lenders would suggest that extending the help to buy scheme is a good thing. In particular, this, this the new changes that are about to take place because actually we're running out of time and the builders won't yeah, necessarily be able to complete the properties. Um, and certainly not before um, to get legal completion before March of next year. But then there's an argument to say that, you know, we should really to extend the help to buy scheme um, carte blanche. But um, so we're working on that very closely. We're also still working on um, mortgage prisoners. So despite the fact that that kind of doesn't feel like it's that critical at the moment, um, the work within the FCA is still ongoing. So we're still supporting that and see how we can help those mortgage prisoners um, through within the intermediary space. 
Um, a lot of time and effort, in particular mine um, and Kate's, has been on the non-bank lender piece around the liquidity um, and also the payment holidays. So, mm. you know, we've we've been busy largely listening to the markets, listening to our members and then lobbying on their behalf. And we just continue to do that. Um, I think what we are doing is we're, we're, we're now being recognised as a voice that's worth listening to. And I think that's taken quite a yeah. while to get into Imla to that point. To that point. Um, some of that is because of the changes within UK finance. So the CML morphing into UK yeah. finance and, and it doesn't have as large a mortgage presence as it had done historically. So we kind of think we've picked up some of, of that uh, space. Um, but also, you know, we do an awful lot of PR and we, we write a lot of reports, etc. So um, I think we're doing some good work. It's been a transition because, of course, we can't get all of our members in the same room, although we do have a meeting um, next week. So we'll see how that works on Teams. That's on Teams, Charlie. I think you're down to attend that one. So um, see what you can do between now and next Thursday to get yourself um, onto that meeting, please. Yeah, please. That. <laughs> can you let me know if he does if he does turn up for that on time? Just say Teams, I'm fine with. <laughs> great, great. So, I just so, have to click a link and a button and away we go. Yeah, we'll see if he delegates that one. So it's, there's a lot there's there's a lot going on remotely. It's really interesting doing this and seeing some of the issues that uh, lenders have with uh, using simple technology. I get it's all a security issue, but um but it does make me laugh anyway. So, sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, so, how do you guys see... I'm conscious of time. Louisa has um, some bread baking in the oven and, and various other meetings to get to. <laughs> and, <laughs> and Charlie, I think, needs a, a stiff gin and tonic or something like I do. Um, so, how, how do you guys see the rest of the year then? Um you know, there's the economy still got still got Brexit that people have forgotten about over the days of just when it was simply about Brexit and not life threatening viruses um, shutting everything down. How do you think are you, are you still I know we've got the October syndrome, we've got people losing your jobs and but but how do you feel the market and the mortgage market is is weathering the storm generally? It's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because there was a lot of pent up demand and everybody was rushing to right move to try and register their interest in houses that they could possibly go and um, view. Um, I think a lot of that was down to the fact that people were just slightly bored. So I think yeah. that that was just the, the way forward. Let's go and see if we can see a house or let's go and see if we can just at least put some interest in the house. Um, I think people's decisions around the house buying process will change. I think we might see some... Um, uh, people moving out of city centres into maybe more rural areas mm. now they've experienced living in a flat for several months without any outside space so I think we might see some of that so I think that will help the housing market um, to a degree but then you know you've also then got issues around cladding and things like that so if you are living in a high-rise flat in the centre of London that's clad you might not necessarily have the ability to sell it or to remortgage yeah. it elsewhere so some of the issues that were there before um, haven't just disappeared mm. because they've been overtaken by um, COVID-19 so so I think that we still have those issues to face. You've already mentioned Brexit. Um, for me, I think this year is going to be super difficult. I think it's going to be really, really hard, in particular within the house purchase arena. Um, I think that, and Charlie's already mentioned this, but, you know, the a broker's bread and butter, as far as I can see um, at the moment, is um, remortgage and PTs. Uh, remortgage preferably, because I think that you can look at the whole holistic um, Yeah view for that customer as opposed to just um, assuming a PT is the right solution for them. 
So I think that it's it's looking back at people's back books, making sure that they've effectively looked after their customers as well as they should have done um, to get us through the, la- the, the latter part of this year. And I think turning into next year, there might be some glimmer of hope that we'll see some improvements. But I- I'm not sure we'll see any marked improvements for a good 12 months, if I'm being. Um, okay. I, th- I think, uh, you know, I, t- I tend to agree with that. I mean, for the rest of the year, when I say, well, number one, hopefully I'm married by the end of the year. I've postponed the wedding once. <laughs> so hopefully hopefully it does take place in September. We'll see. We'll find out. And uh, depending on what Boris says uh, at the beginning of July, whether we can get married or not. But anyway, that's a personal thing. Um, but from a, from a business point of view, I tend to agree. I think, I think we've got a 12 tough months. I genuinely do. I think uh, Brexit's still to come. I think Louisa's point about... Um, people in lockdown uh perhaps moving out of cities to the countryside i, I genuinely agree i think that will happen too yeah we've but seen I, quite I, a bit of that already yeah and i think you know um you know space i think the one thing that we you know we don't take for granted anymore is open space which we probably <laughs> did previously um and you know from a broker point of view i think 12 months will be focusing on your back book i genuinely do i think that's mm-hmm. where a lot of the business will come from um i think as I mentioned previously, um, sort of PTs, remortgaging, and and to a certain extent pushing the pushing the open door of protection. Um, and I think the house purchase market is going to go through a tough period. And I think it will probably be the latter part of the year and the probably the first quarter of next year as well um, until we see any signs of um, any signs of sort of us coming out of the you know the bottom part of the market. Um, so we, I, I agree with Louisa. I think it's going to be a tough twelve months for all yeah. of us. But I do feel, as I said earlier, that I, I, it's not like 2000, 2000, 2007, 2008 when we were all fighting for ourselves. I think we're actually fighting together now. Um, yeah, and I do absolutely. think it's been it's been great to see and it's been great mm. to experience that you know you kind of get a, a, a unity across this particular industry not only to sort of work together but fundamentally to help the end customer so it has it's actually been great great to see but um, I think it's going to be a tough 12 months though. Yeah. okay um, well there you go and Charlie I've asked this question to Louisa before um, who we established would be PC Sedgwick resplendent resplendent in your policewoman uniform. Is no, you? that was to be fair, Monty. That's what you thought. I was Detective Chief. Inspector. <laughs> oh, okay. I wasn't wearing a uniform. You just put me in one. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's a whole separate issue now. Oh, look, I'm blushing. Um, <laughs> so, Charlie, if you weren't in the property industry doing what you're doing, what would you be doing? Um, mine's, mine's quite dull, really, because I think, as most people know, I'm, I'm a bit of a fitness fanatic, and I would, you know, I'm not, I, I've, I'm not good enough, and I've never been good enough to be a professional sportsman. So I probably, I'd probably become a personal trainer because uh, I think um, it would give me the best of both worlds. It would allow me to stay fit and do exercise every single day, but also um, not only do it as for pleasure, but do it as a as a job yeah. at the same time. So I think that's what I do, and it's one of those things I think. Um, lockdown has probably realized that um you know i appreciate exercise a lot more and um i think that's the route i'd go down yeah uh, you'd have to cut down on the pear cocktails mate the pear cocktails yeah we did <laughs> as, as you saw we successfully tried those at home and, and, uh, and <laughs> how worked, did that and they go worked. they worked oh we, really good we, we think we got the recipe relatively <laughs> accurate so uh yeah they were good they were good uh, what so- would yours be then what would yours be Oh, me? Yeah, well, I'm quite easy because it's just all about music for me. So I'm quite happy to be uh, some kind of rock star, if not just writing songs and just sitting in a studio and playing about. 
So I'd love to do that. Or children's author. I've started my book, but uh, but I've only got like Very two good. paragraphs into it. <laughs> so, <laughs> three years ago. <laughs> three, no, I sketched it out about seven years ago. It's not about a young wizard that runs through a wall and gets on a train because that. Idea Have you read it, gone, mate? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How did you know? <laughs> oh God! Right. Well, on that bombshell, then, uh, is there any last positive note? So you got one sentence positive note, Louisa. Uh, can I just give some advice, please, to to yeah. to anybody who's willing to listen to me? If <laughs> if a friend ever offers you to give a, a sourdough starter kit, um, you, then you should refuse. Just refuse because you, it's it's like a Tamagotchi. You have to feed it every day. You have to knead it every day before you can put it in the oven. And uh, when it comes out of the oven, it doesn't look great. So I just want to give that advice, if I may. Uh, can you send me a picture of, of what it looks like when it yes, comes out? I, I, yes, and I we'll, will. We'll share it on social media. There you go. Um, Charlie? Uh, probably a positive note for me, um, Leeds United are still top of the championship. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited for football tomorrow. I can't wait. Uh, yeah, do you know what? I really hope Leeds do it because I'd like to see uh, dirty Leeds back in the uh, back in the Premiership. I'm just very nervous, along with people like Jeremy Duncan and Brian Murphy. I think we're all, <laughs> I think we're all very nervous. The season is restarting. We wish that they'd... It had been brought to a premature yeah. halt and uh, we'd gone yeah. up by default. Same with Martin Reynolds and West Brom. We've all gone <laughs> up by default, so which would have been marvellous. Okay. Um, right. Uh, Louisa has already texted me a picture of it. That doesn't look too bad, actually. Yeah, anyway, right. Uh, uh, we're just warbling now. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you to my guests. Thank you, Louisa. Thank and, you. Uh, thank you, Charlie. And, of Cheers, course, Monty. thank you for listening. Uh, We'll be back in, uh, well, actually, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Uh, If you have any comments or questions in the meantime to put to either myself or our guests, you can contact me on Twitter at Monty's blog. Until next time, this is The Mortgage Show signing off.